Audacious Compassion, Episode 8, Peeved Partner in the Piedmont. Toothpaste, lemonade, polka dots and stripes, you're a dark night, and I'm the day, we're a wreck and that's Welcome to Audacious Compassion, a podcast where we explore how to find compassion in the most difficult places in daily life. I'm Melissa Avery Weir. I'm Gregory Avery Weir. And today we'll be talking about people who change or learn slower than you think they should. So, Gregory, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I think I had some sort of some sort of cold last week that I'm finally recovered from. Unfortunate. Yeah, it's it's um I I work from home and so it's hard for me to justify taking time off being sick. Ah. But when I'm working and am ill, I have a lot less patience for things <laughs> and I find it a lot harder to be compassionate about stuff that bugs me. And and one of the things that I think is true of a whole lot of places and is, is also true of the folks I'm currently doing work for is Often people don't change their behavior even when they recognize stuff that they're doing that's not optimal. Yeah. So there's this practice in in software development and, and various other fields of doing postmortems mm-hmm. of uh, lessons we, we, learned. Or yeah, we do this for future proof games where where it's it's uh, you finish a project or you finish a, a section of work or whatever. And you look back and you're like, hey, what went well? What problems do we run into? How do we head those off in the future? How do we avoid those those risks and reduce the chance of, of those things happening again? Mm-hmm. And we do this with this client and have identified things and, and have, have come up with good ways to reduce risk and so on, but haven't really changed our behavior all that much or or the same patterns that led to problems before are are leading to them again so you've got these nice lists that just get repeated over and over again yeah yeah, you 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 write the stuff down this is stuff we should do and then it keeps happening and and you feel good having having recognized that this is the source of a problem and i mean if you've got the same people in the same situation, dealing with the same business model, the same stuff is going to start popping up. Right. You have to be very diligent to yeah. make change. And especially if it's a kind of a tighter schedule or a higher stress situation, you're going to start losing that stuff. And that's something you expect from a job, right? Any Anything you do, that's something that usually happens. Is yeah. it's, it's very hard to affect change in an organization. And so I recognize that, but it's still frustrating to see these things happen again and again and think back to, like, when we said they weren't going to happen again. Right. Yep. And, and you know, when when stakes are low, we're often able to have our practices be better. But as soon as stuff starts getting stressful or rushed or anything, we fall back to our own old habits. Mm-hmm. And that's the time at which you need to be most diligent about enforcing those attempts at change right so 
normally I'm able to be like, oh, this is fine. These these are the people. This is how this job is. It's worth it. It's been worth it um, to get paid. Um, <laughs> but yeah, when I'm when I'm low energy and have a headache and am sniffling, it's harder for me to deal with that. Yeah. So how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Um, lots of health problems lately. Yeah, you've had a rough time with this. I've had a rough month or so. But this this topic reminds me of, you know, I have I have a bunch of friends in various sort of stages of their lives going through a lot of change, which I think is normal stuff, but they're, a lot of them are kind of examining the role of things like codependence in their life, examining their relationships with people, with their families, uh, spouses, children, all of that, and kind of assessing, like, am I taking care of myself well? And some of that is just inspired by things they read or people they're around. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it's expi- inspired by the political climate and the amount of stress that they're feeling suddenly under. But a lot of this is stuff that I did years ago, very actively, notably late 2012, early 2013, um, where I spent a lot of time living in books and living in my therapist's office and and researching and talking to people and um, learning about codependence and breaking a lot of those habits. And so totally, this is totally like a, a condemnation of myself and that saying, you know, nothing, nothing against my friends and family at all. But um, I find myself kind of saying like, well, yeah, you should have said no to them being a jerk to you months ago, right? Or, um, you know, you're just now reading this thing. And it's, I don't know, I love them dearly. But part of me sort of wishes, for the sake of their health, um, and maybe a certain amount of ego in myself, that that they learned these things earlier or yeah and it's not like you're particularly quiet about codependence and right. and you're learning on it and right. your willingness to to share what you've learned right and it, but it's i try not to offer advice unless invited um also part of my <laughs> learning of codependence um and also because who cares unless you know don't no one asks for my opinion unless they people aren't inviting opinions unless they explicitly invite them in my opinion so um, I try not to offer opinions, although I'm sure my face gives off a certain amount of judgment. <laughs> you, um, you have a very expressive face. Yes. I do. And I, and I will say, if, I will speak up if I think a situation is abusive. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know, it's just a weird situation to be in. And I, I want them all to get better. So it's kind of hard to hold my tongue and, and let yeah. this unfold at the, whatever rate is healthiest for them. They've, they have hit some wall or some breaking point that has led them to seek change. And that's really awesome to see. I mean, it's not cool that they've hit some wall, right? Like that's mm-hmm. usually something pretty bad. Um, but it is awesome to see them sort of flower and, and flourish again or find their way out of some darkness um, and change the change the small world around them. So it's cool, but sometimes I kind of like want to shake people a little bit and yeah. say like do you see this like this pattern is like this is a thing and they haven't gotten there yet they just haven't gotten there yet so for the benefit of listeners who might not be as familiar what's what's like the 15 second public service announcement of what codependence is and what people should do about it if they recognize it in themselves oh geez 
So I would describe codependence as a set of behaviors where you are enabling bad behaviors in your partners or your, your family. Um, and these could be, this could be drug use or drug dependency on their part. This could be narcissism. It could be any sort of, sort of problem on their end that you're enabling. And what that's doing is feeding your own emotional satisfaction. So you feel better for having helped your partner in some way. Um, or you feed off of the drama and things like that. So it's this, it's this really unhealthy system. You can have it with your children. I mean, that's surprisingly common. Mm-hmm. Um, where the, the, the ever helpful mother is always exhausted and her kids get to act however they want, but she's long suffering and mm-hmm. yet somehow keeps the system running anyway. Um, and so sort of ways to, ways to address it. One involve recognizing it. Like there's this, this, you're, you kind of end up ever diligent against these things, but recognizing certain kinds of behavior, certain ways that you let people talk to you, certain ways that you're not, where you don't feel in control of your money or your behavior, um, saying things like, well, I have to because he's sick or I have mm-hmm. to because so anything time you say you have to, you really have to kind of dig into why. Um, but it's pervasive. I mean, it's a big thing in our culture in general. It's a big thing for women in particular. We're kind of taught to be caretakers, and that can easily move into codependence when it becomes unhealthy for the person giving care. I can see how it's difficult to recognize codependence in friends <laughs> and figure out a healthy way to counsel about that. Like, <laughs> right. if you don't want to end up enabling codependent right. behavior as a codependent person. Yes, and so sometimes I have to ask friends, like... Let's not talk about your perpetual ongoing drama with your family. Mm-hmm. Because that, the drama of someone else's codependent relationship can invoke in me that response of offering advice and managing their codependence. And it, it, and so I just, I just request, please let's not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've gotten better at that. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a sticky thing, and it's and it's definitely hard to just sit and listen. That's part of my own, I guess, practice of, of being better. Yeah. So we've been we've been talking a lot about people who are changing and learning slower than we think they should or would want them to, right. uh, or, or wish they would. Yeah. Do we have a prompt related to that? Sure, I'll read this one. Okay. Dear audacious compassion, my partner and I were visiting family recently and ran into a very awkward and painful situation. My partner is transgender, and while our family members are generally socially liberal and accepting of people in society, they consistently use the wrong modes of address for my partner, even literally seconds after a conversation about the right way to do it. How do we handle this better the next time we deal with them? Signed, Peeved Partner in the Piedmont. Otherwise known as (laughs) Melissa Avery Weir. (laughs) So yes, this is this is us. This is a thing we ran into recently. Yeah, and we'll I I'll say we'll 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 talk about this and welcome advice ourselves. So if yeah. you want to comment or tweet at us or something like that, like this is something where we're kind of putting this out here and things that we've thought about in the aftermath. Um, but we would welcome ideas because this was this was difficult. Yeah. So we're we're in the unique situation of of not having to wish we could ask follow-up questions. Right. (laughs) Um, 
so yeah, we were family is always rough. Um, and my family is generally good about things in society. Like they get involved, they actually legit do ally things and not just talk mm-hmm. about it. Um, but for some reason with regard to me, I've been having more problems. Yeah. Um, just things like call me they, don't call me he, introduce me as my sister's kid or my grandkid or my parents' sibling or that sort of terminology mm-hmm. rather than using gendered terms. Um, if you're telling a story about me as a as a child, in that case, it's actually probably correct to, to call me a boy at the time. Mm-hmm. It was just, you'd be like, me personally, I wasn't born this way, I don't think, or at least I, I didn't, I don't feel like my past self always had the gender identity I do now. But maybe acknowledge that right. and just be like, hey, when you were a little boy, which, you know, I know is, at the time you were a boy, X, Y, Z. Right. And... My family members didn't do that. No. Very consistently at all. Yeah. It was it was a rare treat during the visit to get any correct gender reference. Yeah. So we were we were very angry. Yeah. Hurt. I mean so yeah, so this is a case where again a, a rare prompt where we can we can kinda of talk about some of the feelings and needs there without having to guesswork it, right? Yeah. So, so we were hurt. We were angry. Um, I was furious. <laughs> yeah, I think I was a little less angry because knowing my family in general, I think I wasn't surprised the way you were. Yeah. Like, I think you assumed that, of course, I would have prepped my family correctly. Or they would have prepped themselves. <laughs> right. Um, and so, I, I guess... There were a lot of expectations, yeah. and that was that was the that was part of the problem. I expected, and I I should have known that as soon as I say in my head, I expect mm-hmm. that I need to break that down because I didn't communicate that expectation. I didn't request ahead of time. I sort of said, "Oh, these are cool people who are up on." on social justice matters they will educate themselves or ask questions that was a path that i that my mind went down and so i went oh pack my bags yeah go to a cool place and and like we don't i don't expect if i go to you know steak and hoagie and order a sandwich good sandwiches I I expect I'm probably going to get a sir. I'm probably not going to get a mixer or a or a ceram or whatever. Like ceram is is my custom term because there is no gender neutral sir or ma'am. So ceram, um, masser, I don't like at all. It sounds very <laughs> and likewise. Like if I have a long standing colleague or something, or even like at work. Mm-hmm. At work, I don't expect people to to gender me properly. I I have mentioned that I'm trans and and. And, I mean, they certainly could find that out with a cursory Google search. Right. But I, I don't have those expectations. But people who are close to us, we 
hope or mistakenly assume they're going to be more considerate. Right. Given that they know. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, some... You have a you have a much smaller family than I do, but yeah. I would not expect some random cousin in my hundred plus cousin family to know these things. But right, it's not like in this case I didn't like come out and then be like, "Hey, go." It's like it's been years. Like <laughs> this, I've seen my family members with them presentation. Yeah. So expectations were a big part of the problem. Yeah. Uh, on on both sides. Uh, so we we had a we ended up having a difficult talk at the very end, and yeah. I, I think we'll, of course we saved it for like last possible moment before we left these particular folks, which I think was also a mistake. But I think there were expectations on both sides. One, we we I expected them to to do their their research and to behave a certain way. Um, I had this I have this image or this set of rules of what it means to be respectful, the behavior that is respectful when dealing with trans people. Mm-hmm. And it's an ever-changing thing, right? Like, I'm learning all sorts of stuff all the time, and I'm learning what kinds of questions to ask. Mm-hmm. But I have that kind of checklist in my head um, that is available. Like, that's a thing. I read it on the internet, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the basic things of, like, what do I do with a transgender family member? Like, right. um, you're going to get three great articles and one clearly trash bigoted article as a result of that yeah and so that was the that was the that was what i was expecting to interface with and i and i that was wrong on my part i think and this is project this is guessing Mm -hmm. and based a little bit on conversation i think they expected an easier visit or something they they were seeking ease and familiarity right yeah and maybe didn't seem to be as educated as I would expect them to be. Mm-hmm. Maybe hadn't thought that that was a priority. Right. And then when they realized that there were problems, didn't really know how to talk about it. Right. Or didn't didn't want to bring it up or, or were afraid to bring it up or thought that maybe bringing it up would be more rude than just continuing to get it wrong. Right. Um, so there are a lot of conversations that... We didn't have, we, we the gaggle of us, um, didn't have, and that I didn't even think to invite to have. Yeah. On the other hand, like, one of the first nights we were out with folks, it was someone said something wrong, mm-hmm. and we were like, hey, what do you, t- you know, what is the, the right way to say that yeah. in this context? Because, you know, sometimes it's unclear, you know, if you've got, uh, if you're parents sibling is genderqueer is is uses the pronouns they they're not your aunt or your uncle right because right? those are gendered terms what right. are they right and your and uncle that's, and that's a <laughs> yes you just invented it your your ankle like <laughs> no th- this is this is one of those ongoing difficulties with right. with the fact that you're basically inventing language right um and so it's worth having those conversations. And I think we would have been well served to have maybe stopped the presses more, put the brakes on more firmly there. Yeah, but we did. We had a conversation. We were like, what's the right way to do this? Oh, yep, this is the right way to do this. Here's an effective way. And like, they were engaged in this conversation. And then like, 
a minute later, yeah, friend showed up and was like, "Hey, this is he he he." Yeah. Mail, mail, mail. And it's like, ugh. Right. And maybe then we should have been like, no, hey, hold on. Yeah. Like, hard, hard, like, reiterate the point. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's... We, it feels like we can second guess this forever, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, well, they were a friend. Like, maybe that friend wouldn't be accepting of this. Right. So there's so, yeah. there's that broader conversation of, and I mean, in this case, it happens to be trans stuff, right? Mm. Um. But this could apply to many things. Like, it, does your family want to be out? Mm-hmm. Do they feel safe? Or whatever. Or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Emotionally safe. Sure. In some way. Do they feel comfortable mm-hmm. enough with being known as the family of some weird person? Right. Um, and, like, that's kind of a boundary they get to set. Right. In some context. And we didn't ask. Yeah. We didn't have a conversation before we got there that said, hey, are you okay? Like, how do you want to handle this clear, you know, transgender, gender, queer situation here? Are you okay with your friends finding this out? Or do we yeah. need to negotiate that? Um, and that's, t- I, I mean, it, it struck me way too late. That is a conversation we should have had. Yeah, just just like... My family clearly hadn't educated themselves about how to act around trans folk. We clearly didn't educate ourselves yep. about how to act around people who are uncomfortable with that. Exactly. Because we, you know, we, we, I think both of us totally respect that not everyone is out and proud, right? Like there are right. people who certainly can't be in I think we've talked about this on this podcast, but Again, I totally assumed that because they are already in social ju- social justice circles, that they would be fine with it. And that was, yeah. that's just not... Maybe they are. I mean, maybe they are. But I shouldn't have assumed. Yeah. And it's... This is one of those things where it's really hard to be compassionate toward them for me. <laughs> like, because... They're they're probably not setting out with the intent of I'm a cause pain, right? I, like, I, I think even almost after certainly a... not some Machiavellian yeah. tactic. Like right. I believe them when they said they care and are trying and all of this. But on the other hand, like it's a lot harder to be a trans person than to be a family member of a trans person. <laughs> Yeah. Like, it's not a contest, but... But it's hard not to make a comparison between pain levels or discomfort levels. Um, because you could say, on one hand, you don't see your family very often, so what's one long weekend when you're not in their lives regularly? Like, they yeah. have to live with the consequences of of that. Yeah, yeah, it, I don't think comparing pain is the way to go, but yeah. I totally understand that impulse. So that, like, that makes it hard. The The fact that I hurt a lot mm-hmm. doesn't really matter. for the, Like, they care that I hurt, right. but how much I hurt, they can't tell. Right. Like, they can't feel what I feel. So that's not really relevant? It is in terms of, I mean, it it shifts what needs you have right so 
so if we think about this is a this is a weird visual image so let's see if i can portray this you have a there everyone has a bunch of needs right Mm -hmm. and if you imagine them as sort of a cloud like a word cloud of of needs where your pain is strongest more needs are there right or more closely related needs are going to be kind of clumped and that's just going to look different than oh this was uncomfortable I'm sorry we made mistakes kind of pain. Yeah. Like that need distribution is different. So if you were to like lay out on a table with needs cards, <laughs> they would look different and 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 yours would probably have more needs all clustered around the same thing or might yeah. have more needs clustered all around the same thing. And I think I think based on on our kind of final discussion with these people they had a different understanding of what that pain was and what those needs were than we did. Like, exactly. They kind of entered the, the conversation going, I think we've made a few mistakes, but it was generally pretty good. Yep. And we came in, like, with ultimatums in hand. Right. Which, I guess, kind of raises a question of, like, what are, what requests do you make in this situation? What boundaries do you set? Yeah. Like there's the, there are things you can request that other people change about their behavior or that they do for you that's kind of above and beyond simple courtesy, which I don't, I don't think using the correct pronouns for someone is beyond simple courtesy. But that, Um, that that's also in the eye of the beholder. Right. Um, So there's, there's that, but then there's also when or if they say no or don't satisfy your requests, what do you do? Right. So I tend to frame boundaries as not a matter of when they say no. Like, you're not waiting for them to say no before you say, oh, but this is a boundary, right? Right. It's, it's not a punishment for their no. Exactly. It's saying, here's how I'm going to keep myself safe based on your behavior. Right. That's a hard thing to do. Um, and it's a hard thing to negotiate that. Like, I, I am a person who has no trouble... Cutting off ties with family. Yeah. Blood family. Like, I I care very little. We will find some way to relate, even if it is just via Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, blood family does not get special consideration from me with regards to behavior. If they misbehave, I don't need that, right? Um, so, if there are people in my lives who are actively hurting people... <laughs> You, you gotta go, right? Like, yeah. that's, a, that's a boundary. Like, stop it. Or don't. So I was willing to set the boundary that if they are unable to behave in a way that is accepting and respectful of how one talks to trans people, <laughs> <laughs> then I was not interested in spending time with them. Yeah. We, it was an agonizing, it was an agonizing day. We spent the whole day with them and it was, yep. it was very rough. Um, and we kind of, I mean, you and I are lucky enough to be able to put ourselves in a life situation where we don't have to deal with that stuff on the day to day. Like, I don't... Family or... People violating our... Generally. I mean, I do walk through uptown. <laughs> that is obnoxious. <laughs> yeah, but like, we don't have friends that are that cruel to us right and we are not dependent on people so like we don't we don't depend on our families for our livelihoods right Right. we don't 
need them for money. We don't. I don't need them. Need mine for money at least. Um, they don't live nearby. Exactly. There's no sort of children relatives involved. And um, and if we had a friend who you know started refusing to use a right pronoun or something, we'd probably just stop being around them. Like ultimately, yeah. Th- that sort of thing has happened in the past with with folks we've we've spent time with, or we've or we've said, hey, I'm. If I'm going to spend time with you, I need you to behave differently. And they've said, okay, well, I'll try. And then they never got back to us with right. a plan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, family for a lot of people is different. For me to a certain extent is different. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't Sometimes I'm not sure why I spend more time with my family. Like I, I like them fine, but they're not integrated into my life. Right. And so there's there's something ineffable about familial ties that i clearly still seek out mm-hmm. um and th- i mean that could be good i mean yeah. it, might, it might not be something useless yeah but it's weird because they're they have a tie to me where if they were not family that i wouldn't that wouldn't be okay yeah at all like it's not okay but it it wouldn't we wouldn't be having this heartfelt yeah you wouldn't have strong feeling as strong of feelings about it yeah we'd have Spend a night getting drunk, getting mad, and then it'd been whatever, <laughs> yeah. right? So if we have to do this sort of thing again, mm-hmm. like next time we're around family or around like old acquaintances or, yeah. or something like that, how how could we prepare ourselves better? <laughs> um, depending on the format of the gathering. So like, I don't know, a big gaggle for Thanksgiving is kind of a chaotic... Like a, just a bunch of Facebook invites or whatever. Yeah. Um, but if this is like... That's harder to me. Yeah. Um, if it's... If it's... Someone's traveling and there's some time to prepare and you know who's going to be there. Like these six family members. That's a conversation. Like you're already talking about when does our plane land mm-hmm. and where are you staying and are we taking you there? Are you Ubering to or lifting, to the hotel, like, let's also talk about... you, And you're almost assuredly talking about what you're going to do during the mm-hmm. visit. Uh, so just in that conversation, say, how do we... Let's talk about how to handle my gender identity, or my race, or my whatever the thing is. Yeah, I want um, to remind you, don't call me this. Right. Call me this instead. Right. Or don't mention that bit at all. Mm-hmm. And then also, like... What is it okay for us to share? Exactly. Like, do you have anyone who I should not mention this to? Because, like, mm-hmm. you know, should I avoid mentioning to your boss that I'm queer? Right. If I, Are you going to lose your job? If I dress femme, should I not tag you on Facebook in a photo, right? Like, there's all sorts of things like that that you can talk about. It's the same sort of conversations that people should have about money before they travel with people, yeah. right? Which also kind of came up on the strip like let's just split everything 50 50 and not haggle and fight over the bill and see who's sneakiest and fastest right like don't play these implicit games like you have all this time you're talking about the trip talk about this too and if if you're that that sort of thing can be fine if everyone's cool with that right like if you're like well i'll try and snag the bill before you do and the other person's like okay but i think i'm faster like that's cool yeah fine Right. You are, everyone is consenting to be to play a game in that case. Yeah. Um, 
But having those conversations early and not letting people dodge them, that's a hard thing to do. Yeah, because if you're like, hey, let's talk about this, and they're like, oh, well, whatever makes you the most comfortable. Uh Uh-huh. It's like, "Mm -hmm, that doesn't sound like assertive consent. Or I'll think about it and get back to you, which usually means I won't. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, yeah, I'll try. Mm Mm-hmm. Without concrete questions, maybe, or just things that kind of brush it off. Um, Like, how much do you want to chase down? At what point do you kind of put your foot down before the the visit, for instance, and kind of say, hey, we haven't had a clear conversation about this Mm -hmm. yet. Um, And you can say... But that puts the onus on you as the the marginalized person, for instance. But, I mean, this advice would go the other way if you are... If you have a person coming in um, that is trans or is something, whatever the the thing is, um, it's also incumbent upon you <laughs> to have these conversations if you want to, yeah, to be welcoming. And in the end, you might have to say, you know, like it's not okay if you do this. If you do this, I'm not going to spend more time with you, right? Or maybe I'm going to call you out every time you do it, right? Yeah, the calling out. It's hard. It's really hard. And I, as as partner and friend and ally, kicked myself every time I didn't. Every... Every time someone said he and you didn't correct them. Right. Sometimes I made eye contact and made a face. Like, hey, you just did a thing. Uh... And they saw it. They totally saw it. But I didn't say, stop the presses. Yeah. Halt this conversation. I don't know. That's that's something I'm still learning how to do. Sometimes I don't know how rude I feel like being in that moment. I'm fine being rude many times. But I don't know. It's not, it's not something I'm perfect at yet. Uh, yeah, so any advice y'all have, please share it with us. You can tweet at us at audacious cast or email us at avery-weird.net with with suggestions on how to authentically represent our queerness and race and all those other things or comment on the show post yeah yeah comment at at averyweird.net slash podcast because we could use more advice we're still not quite done processing this whole thing and the relationship with the family continues right yeah like they're they're not gone yeah (laughs) they're they're we'll see how we'll see what they have done in response to that difficult conversation yeah so we'll we'll think on that more but in the meantime what have you been inspired by lately i have recently been i guess re-inspired by the My Brother, My Brother, and Me trio. Ah, the McElroy brothers. The McElroy brothers. Uh, speaking of families, good mm-hmm. grief. All of, so them, all their spouses, one of their youthful sister-in-laws, their f- at least two male parents are all in podcasting at this point. Yeah. Um podcasts video shows on youtube right it's different kinds of journalism usually humor related yes at times game related um but the sort of the 
the thing that I started with was My Brother, My Brother and Me, which is a, a <laughs> podcast that is um, advice for the modern era. Yeah. Uh, where they take Yahoo Answers questions um, and answer them in a way that one should generally not follow the yeah. advice of. Although, increasingly over the years, they've... They give some pretty legit advice. And recently, um, they've they've had a TV show on exactly on streaming. Yep. So they have a they have a six episode TV show that just came out, um, and it turns out they translate just fine from yeah. podcast into TV. I was I was unsure how that would go, um, but the reason they have inspired me, uh, in this topic in particular, is that over the years, the podcast has been running six or seven years at this point. Um, when they started. Which I think at this point, they just do not advise that you start with episode one and yeah. listen all the way through. Um, they were a lot less knowledgeable about sort of social stuff outside of their own circle. Um, and one of the early incidences was just maybe 10, 20, 30 episodes in um, where they made a remark uh, that mocked furries. Mm-hmm. And it, it riffed for a bit. Um and they had no idea that they were hurting real people with those remarks. Yeah, it's it's, it's the, these sorts of subcultures can seem f- fictional, right? They seem just like pictures on the internet, not people doing something that they're passionate about. Um, and so they got a lot of responses, um, people saying, "Hey, like." get educated, here's some here's some reading material. People were kind to educate them, right? Mm-hmm. That was not a thing they had to do. Um, and presumably they got a fair amount of vitriol as well. Um, and they came back and were like, whoa, like, we really messed up. Um, we totally, like, that's not a thing we should have done. Uh, we've learned our lesson, furries are cool. Uh, and that has sort of since become incorporated in a way that is not at all mocking. Um, and it's totally sort of celebrating and embracing. And they've done that several times in a variety of things. They speak in a, generally tend towards more gender neutral language across all their podcasts mm-hmm. now. Um, and they've, they've legit shifted the way that they approach those things. Right. It's not just like, oh, we screwed up on this one. Thank you for teaching us. And then like a year later, oh, we screwed up on some other issue with a subculture or some aspect of queerness or whatever. Right. They, they generalize. They changed their general behavior to be like, oh, hey, people do things. Sometimes those things are weird and funny looking and so on. And it's fine to find those things funny. Right. Like, and, and not disrespect the people that do it. Yeah. Their, their ability to, which to me seems like a, just like a, normal thing like i don't know it, it's, it's you would hope that everyone i would does hope this. that everyone does this but when a particular kind of thing arises um you generalize that you look at it and say oh is this just about furries or is this about internet subcultures that i should be more considerate of maybe the latter like mm-hmm. and so they've done this really well and are still <laughs> gut-bustingly hilarious mm-hmm. um so they are to me they're very inspiring like I, I, whenever I make a mistake, I remind myself that, like, that is the kind of person I want to be, is Mm -hmm. the sort that, that can be a country boy from West Virginia and then run a post-election campaign called I Will Hold Your Hand and sell hundreds and hundreds of, of pens, money for ACLU, and things like that. Like, they've just kind of become... Cultural forces. Yeah, Travis McElroy, in mm-hmm. in particular, one of my partners, um, 
Chad <laughs> Travis is not one of your partners. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, one of my partners very much likes how Travis demonstrates specifically, like, how can I be masculine and a, a dude mm-hmm. and not suffer from toxic masculinity? Yes. Like, not how can I be a good man that's right. strong and supportive, but like... Travis clearly goes, I'm a dude, and that doesn't need to mean X, Y, and Z. I yes. can be cool in a lot of ways, and I can mm-hmm. I can be flexible in other ways. You know, right. He wears nail polish, mm-hmm. but is by no means particularly femme. Right. And Griffin is like the geekiest video game boy ever, <laughs> and yet is not horrific, disgusting, mm-hmm. stereotypical video. And that's, I mean, he's... He has been not cool at times, mm-hmm. um, and kind of is an ever-evolving thing. So yeah, I find them to be very inspiring. Cool. What about you? So I've been playing a the long-awaited game, uh, A Night in the Woods. Super cute. Yes, very much so. Um, I was a Kickstarter backer and have been following the, the developer's previous work. Um, but it's... Who's it by? It's developed by Infinite Fall uh, and published by Finji. Um, oh, okay. And it's the story of a, speaking of furries, a young anthropomorphic cat Ooh. who, um, she's a college sophomore and has dropped out of college and come back to her small town to live with her parents and recover from depression or something. Uh, she's got various things that have happened in her past that aren't clear to the player at first, but kind of everyone in town knows about all of them Ah. and so mentions them and you're not sure. Um, She's got friends who have pretty low-income jobs. They're clerks or or manage hardware stores, that that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And it's it's a, a game that could easily have been like, oh, being a slacker is hard, but you can still have fun like it could have been very shallow uh avenue q feel of just like exploring and celebrating mediocrity um but it's it's got more depth to that and i like it it's um may the 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 main character is clearly going through some some mental emotional stuff Mm -hmm. but she very much is a person who went away and come came back and didn't really change or wants to feel like she didn't change ah. uh and meanwhile you know her her friends from high school have gotten jobs and have been supporting themselves and have gotten relationships that they've held on to yep and so to her they kind of seem like they never left and haven't changed much to them she kind of seems like what have you been doing for the past several years yeah and so it's it's them hanging out and and messing around she doesn't have a job at the moment she's Mm -hmm. sleeping in and so on and so it's you mostly are seeing like the leisure time of her friends and meanwhile having weird nightmares and there's maybe a murder going on i'm I'm only a few (laughs) hours in um but it's this pretty cool exploration of what is it to be a young adult these days yeah like not a young adult but like a 20 something yeah and 
how it's there are a lot of sides to it Mm -hmm. and both from the inside and the outside can seem simultaneously awesome and awful yeah and it's 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 also gorgeous and the writing's really good and and the music's amazing (laughs) Uh, and it's it's fun to play in sort of a weird boring chill way yeah of walking around a town and talking to people um pc game uh as opposed to mobile yeah pc and uh playstation 4 okay it's definitely definitely worth checking out and at least looking at trailers and stuff and seeing the gorgeous art sounds like i should play you totally should so it's it's tough dealing with wanting people to change yeah and wanting them to change at some imagined rate right so imagine speed like there there are things where whether it's someone who's saying things that hurt you or just is being inefficient at work like or is stuck in a bad situation themselves something that's unhealthy for them whatever that is yeah you want it to be different now like you want to snap your fingers and be like be better right be happier be less offensive like just yeah be different but that's not that's like 90 percent in your own that's your own stuff that's your own expectations your own trash that you're putting on someone else and i think there are much like with with (laughs) giving advice unsolicited is the least (laughs) the least useful kind of advice right yeah um so a lot of that's just stuff you need to recognize as a thing you want, not a thing that needs to be realized in the world. Yeah. And you don't you don't have to be okay with someone's lack of change. You don't have to Yeah, you don't have to accept it in a way that allows it to continue to hurt you. Right. You don't have to put up with it. Right. You don't have to do things for people to enable their their slow rate of change. Right. But you're going to be happier if you realize that they are not going to change as fast as you want them to. Right. Or that maybe they will and then slow down again and then go rigorous a bit. And then, yeah. like, n- progress isn't linear in these things very often. Yeah. There's being okay with things and there's realizing how things are and relating to reality in a healthy way yeah and letting go of the idea that you can control or influence yeah. that process for someone else it's yep. hard yep so for the family they have questions they can come to us we we're, you know i'm willing to help and and do what i can but it's not incumbent on me to chase them down right like it's not yeah. my process to control and exactly that way so yeah it's hard oof All right. Well, thank you for talking with me today, Gregory. Thank you for talking with me. And thank you all for listening. This has been Audacious Compassion. If you have a question or prompt for discussion, please submit it to us at averyweir.net. That's A-V-E-R-Y dash W-E-I-R dot net. You can find the show on Twitter at AudaciousCast. And please take a moment to rate us on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. I'm Melissa Avery Weir and can be found on Twitter at AveryMD. And I'm Gregory Avery Weir and can be found on Twitter at Gregory Weir.
Together, we run a video game studio called Future Proof Games, which you can visit at futureproofgames.com. No dashes. Our theme music is Invisible Light by Josh Woodward, available under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. Talk to you later. Thank you.